So grab your Bible with me this morning, and if you want, you can turn it to Genesis 37. We're going to kind of do kind of an overview of a new series that we're starting this morning called The Ups and Downs of Trusting God. And this is going to be, we're going to learn some lessons from the life of Joseph. And you can find the life of Joseph from Genesis 37 to the end of Genesis in Genesis 50. And his entire life and his story and the story of his family, which is the family of Israel, um, is all in those chapters that are there. And we've been asking ourselves this big question all year. Do I trust God? And the life of Joseph is a great just example of how you trust God in the middle of your ups and your downs. Because what Joseph had was this life that was full of ups and downs. And all throughout his life, he just, he just trusts God through it. And so he's a good example for us of how to just continue to trust God. Now, I hope in this process of asking yourself this question that you've been honest, that you're being vulnerable with God, that you're talking to him about ways that you trust him well, ways that you don't trust him well, and that you're, you're working through all that stuff because there's always areas in our life that we're up, we're doing pretty good on, and then there's areas in our life that maybe are kind of down and they need a little work. We're struggling in that area and, and it needs a little work. And that's just, that's part of our faith walk. That's part of our journey. It's part of our relationship with Jesus. And so we recognize that that is happening. My prayer is that you're noticing those areas in you and that you're surrendering them to Jesus and you're working on them. I wanna begin with a quick reminder of our verse of the year. Our verse of the year that is the foundation for this entire year, for this entire series, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I wanna show it to you in two versions. The first is a New International Version that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And then the message version says it like this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. How many of you are just like me? You try to figure out everything on your own, right? That's me. Like, I'm like, I can do this. I can figure this out. For goodness sake, I have YouTube now. I can do, I am a professional in so many areas you would not even believe. You would not believe how many areas I am a YouTube professional because all I need is that guy to show me it once and I can mess it up in 10 different ways, <laughs> right? I'll get it right by the 10th time, but I just keep watching the video and pretty soon I have figured out what's wrong with my car, right? Now here's what's interesting about the life of Joseph. He's growing up in the area of Israel. He lives in that Middle Eastern part of the world. He, he has this very, very interesting life. I think if Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 had been written while he was alive, he would have found great comfort in that verse. But it wasn't. 
Joseph does such a good job of just trusting the Lord that he's kind of figured out how to live out this verse before it was ever written. And so that's why we kind of want to look at his life. You've probably discovered that our faith in God has all kinds of ups and downs. Like one moment you feel great in your relationship with Jesus, you've just come back from camp, so your faith is what? It's way up. But then there are other moments where your faith's just kind of ho-hum. Maybe it feels dry. Not really up or down, just kind of stagnant. And then there are seasons in our faith where it's just a struggle. You're on the struggle boat. Something maybe severe has happened, something challenging in your life. And you're just maybe not even putting in the effort to work on your faith, to see your faith grow. And so your faith, it's just down. It's just struggling. Now, hopefully your faith's not gone. It's just struggling. This summer, we we wanna take an in-depth look into the life of Joseph. See his ups, see his downs, and discover what we can in those moments and how you and I can serve Jesus in the midst of that. Now, there were lots of ups and downs in Joseph's life. I find it interesting that there are many moments where I think it could have drastically affected his faith. And some way, somehow, he just is kind of like Steady Eddie. Now, he's also kind of like King Midas, because everything he touches turns to gold. And that's the blessing of God on his life, no matter where he is and what he's going through. But Joseph's this great example of someone who had lots of ups and downs in his faith and just continued to learn how to trust God. So as an introduction, let me just kind of tell you his story in a brief introduction. And then I want to focus the second half of my message on just some ways that you and I can stay up when we're up and pull out of the downs. Joseph was um, a great grandson of Abraham. Abraham, the Abraham, the man of faith in Genesis 12. He's Abraham's great grandson. He's the grandson of Isaac. And he's the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Now, how many of you as parents have always said, I do not have a favorite child? Right, you're like, all of my kids, I love the same. Jacob did not parent like that. It wasn't his parenting style. His parenting style was, you 10 brothers, you're pretty good. But Joseph, he's awesome. So you know what? I'm gonna make a special coat just for him to set him apart so that when my neighbors come over, they all know he's my favorite. Now this made family dynamics awesome. I mean, these brothers, whoo, if you could have seen the love that they had for one another as a result, it's not really how it went. Jacob loved Joseph so much, he makes this special coat for him. And as a result, the Bible says that his brothers hated him so much, catch this, this is what the word says, they could not ever say a kind word to him. That's a powerful statement. Can you imagine having 10 brothers and they have never said a kind word to you because your father loves you? 
It's a difficult spot to be in. That could be an up on some days and a down on others. I don't know which day it would be, but that would be pretty tough. Now their hearts were hurting because they probably wanted to be the favorite of their father, but they weren't because Joseph was born when Jacob was older. And so he just had this affectionate kind of thing with Joseph. Joseph had a huge moment in his faith when he was young. We would call this an up moment. When God gave him two dreams. These dreams were so powerful and so vivid that Joseph just knew they were going to happen. That they weren't just dreams, they were actual life events that would happen later in his life, a prophetic dream moment that Joseph knew this was from God. One of the dreams was about him and his family. They were like stalks of wheat, but his stalk grew a little bit taller and all the others bowed down to him. The second dream was about the sun and the moon and 11 stars and they were all bowing down to him. And so the family interpreted this to mean, do you mean as a family, we're gonna bow down to you? And Joseph was like, well, I am the favorite. <laughs> now, as you could see, this would just, the love of the brothers would have just been pouring out at this point. All over Joseph, he would have just, oh man, they would have just loved him even more. One day, Jacob, because he's really good at this father thing, asked Joseph to go check in on his brothers and see how they were going with the sheep. So here's what Jacob asked Joseph to do. So I know that your brothers don't like you very much and they hate you and you're at home while they're working with the stinky, smelly, horrible sheep over there in Dothan. I'd like you to go, let's just call it a tattletale mission. That'll help with some more love for your brothers. I want you to go on a tattletale mission and then come back and tell me how the brothers are doing. Well, the brothers see Joseph a ways off and they decide, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Well, the oldest brother, Reuben, he thought, nah, let's, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in that well. And Reuben's hope was, I can come back later, pull Joseph out of the well, take him home and I'll be the hero and, and we'll, figure out, we'll figure out what psychologist or counselor we need to go to later to talk to about our family dynamics. Well, while Reuben is away for a moment, which I've also always wondered as a part of the story, if you're trying to be the hero, where are you off to missing this moment? The other brothers decide as a band of Midianites who sell slaves in Egypt are passing by, to pull him out of the well and at least profit off of him by selling him, so they do. So Joseph ends up in Egypt. He's sold to a man named Potiphar, who's a very influential man in Egypt. He happens to be the captain of the guard for Pharaoh in Egypt. High profile position, probably very popular, very wealthy. Well, here's what's interesting. When Joseph starts to work in his family, as I mentioned before, Everything Joseph touches, God blesses, everything. So Potiphar notices that everything Joseph touches, 
begins to have the blessing of God on it. It prospers. It becomes greater. There's more wealth in his house as a result of Joseph. And so Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of everything. Well, the Bible says that Joseph was a handsome man. And so one day as Potiphar was off doing whatever captain of the guards do, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph and get him to come have sex with her, and he refused. He refused because he didn't want to sin before God, because he was a righteous man, and he didn't want to sin against Potiphar. Well, Potiphar's wife got angry about that. She was disgusted that he refused her, and so when Potiphar came home, she lied to him and told him that Joseph had tried to rape her. As a result, Potiphar threw Joseph in jail. But because the blessing of God followed Joseph everywhere, he began to work in the jail and the jail began to prosper. Now, I don't know, I've often wondered, how does a jail prosper? Because wouldn't that mean there'd be more bad people in the jail? I, I don't quite understand how a jail prospers. But I'm assuming that in the jail, they probably had to grow their own food. They probably had to do their own work. They probably had to do their own stuff to live in the jail because that wasn't supplied for them. My guess is that whatever Joseph touched in the jail, it prospered and it was blessed and the jail began to prosper. Now that is an interesting concept in itself, a jail prospering, but it did because of what God was doing in Joseph's life. One day, the chief baker and the chief cupbearer of Pharaoh were thrown in jail. The Bible says that in the same night, these two gentlemen had dreams. And these dreams were so powerful and so vivid that they felt like they were gonna happen in their life, like they were prophetic dreams. And so they had to find an interpretation. And Joseph just happens to have the gift of interpretation from God. And so he interprets their dreams. The cupbearer was gonna be restored to his position and continue to be the cupbearer of Pharaoh. And the chief baker was going to have his head lopped off. And in a couple days, that's exactly what happened. The chief cupbearer was restored to his position. And the chief baker got his head lopped off. By the way, don't you love stories in the Bible? Like, I love all the drama and all the stuff that's there. Like, and so some people say, like, the Bible is boring. Really? This dude just got his head lopped off. That's so cool. Well, Joseph was pretty excited. He was pretty excited because he was thinking, you know, the chief cupbearer, I mean, he hangs out with Pharaoh all the time, so he can tell Pharaoh that I'm in jail under false pretenses and I can get out. This would be great. But the cupbearer forgets about him. So in one moment, we have an up in Joseph's faith, right? He's interpreted these dreams and now he's got it down because he's been in jail now for two more years. And one night, Pharaoh has a dream. There's a theme here, by the way. Pharaoh has a dream, actually two dreams. And they're so powerful, they're so prophetic-like that Pharaoh says, these are, this is what's gonna happen. So we've gotta find the interpretation to these dreams. So he asks all of the wise men in Egypt to come to his house and to tell him the interpretation and no one can interpret the dream. And it's in that moment that the cupbearer remembers I remember when I was in jail, Pharaoh, and this 
this Egyptian man who um, was taking care of the jail, he interpreted my dream and he interpreted the chief baker's dream. Maybe we should call him in. So they call him in. And Joseph says, yes, God can interpret your dreams. And so he does. God interprets the dreams. And the interpretation in its basic form was this, that there was going to be seven years of abundance in Egypt and seven years of horrible famine, the worst famine ever. And so Joseph says to Pharaoh, what we need to do is we need to store up as much of the grain as we can during the seven years of abundance so that when we have seven years of famine, we have food to eat in our country and we can sell it to others around us and make a lot of bing. So Pharaoh says, making a lot of bing sounds like a great idea. So let's put you in charge. So he puts Joseph in charge and Joseph becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt. Now remember at this time, Egypt's like one of the most powerful nations in the world. I mean, they're, they're rolling. They're, this is a big deal to be second in charge of the most powerful nation in the world. Now, during the seven good years, Joseph collects all the grain. Then the famine begins and he begins to sell back the grain to the people of Egypt. And as you can imagine, Joseph's brothers, because they're right next door, end up in the famine. And Jacob says, go down to Egypt and buy grain. They go down to buy grain. They're brought into Joseph's presence. And we all know what happens, right? They have to bow down. Now, they don't know who Joseph is. They don't remember him. Who in the world would think we took our brother out of the well and sold him as a slave that he's now second in charge of Egypt. Like that didn't happen. So there's no, there, I mean, there's nothing on their radar in their mind that they would think this is my brother. Of course, he's probably grown up. He's probably dressed like an Egyptian and he doesn't get it. Well, to make a long story short here, because Joseph was able to forgive his brothers in the deepest recesses of his heart, because he was able to recognize the blessing of God and to recognize that God was with him even through his ups and his downs, Joseph was able to rescue all of Egypt, his family, and the surrounding countries for years to come. As a result of living and trusting God through the ups and the downs in his life. Now, it's not hard to see that that's that's Joseph's life. A lot of ups and a lot of downs. There were good days. There were bad days. I'm sure there were days where he was asking God, God, what's going on? Why am I still here in prison? I don't understand what you're doing. Ever had a day like that? Our lives can often be like Joseph's. One moment things are going well, and the next... Your husband has died in a car accident. So how do we keep our faith through everything? What should we do when times are up so we keep our faith strong? And what should we do during the times when our faith is down and really struggling? I want to just throw out some principles that God's word has revealed to us over time and help us discover what we can do in the ups and downs of our faith. Now, Joseph, he didn't have all the spiritual tools we have. We have tons of spiritual tools that Joseph didn't have. 
And so I'd like to take the next several minutes and talk about what you and I can do when our faith is up and what we can do when our faith is down. So let's start when times of our faith is up. What should we do when our faith is up? How do we keep it there? How do we sustain that? How do we continue to walk in that way? Well, three spiritual habits that I believe help us keep trusting God when our faith is up are the following. Pursue your personal relationship with Jesus, reinforce your relational environments, and keep serving. The first one, pursue your relational, personal relationship with Jesus. There's several habits that you can do to pursue your relationship with Jesus. Let me give you the big three. Spend time in God's word. Study it. Dive into it. Live it. Put it into practice. Make it who you are. God's word. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word is our flashlight in a dark world. So we need it. It helps us know which way to go. It, it illuminates the dangers and guides us to safety. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Can I just give you a, just a little tidbit? Whatever things in our life are eternal should be the most important things in our life. Whatever things are eternal should be the most important things in our life. So in this room, we have several things that are eternal. This book, your soul, and the relationships that you've built in this room. Yeah. It's three things that are eternal. That should probably be the most important things in our life. God's word, our own personal soul, and the relationships that we build in the church. These are the things that we get to take to heaven with us for eternity. I don't get to take my fishing pole. You don't get to take your Seahawks jersey. So why wear it anymore? That's, that's just a theory. Not everybody agrees with the theory, but what I'm saying is we should make eternal things the most important things. Second, prayer. Let me share with you the most powerful verse about prayer. It's also the shortest verse in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 just says this, two words. Can you say it with me? Pray continually. That's it. Talk to God all the time. You mean at work? Uh-huh. You mean when I'm hanging out at the park with my grandkids? Uh-huh. You mean when I'm in the shower? Especially on my drive to work? Yep. All the time. Just talk to God. Because conversation is really important to relationships. I think Joseph probably had a lot of time to pray in his ups and his downs. Jail seems like a good place to pray. Probably had a lot of time there alone with God. And it looks like he did that. The third thing that I think really helps us pursue Jesus is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is moving in us and through us and we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's always pointing us to Jesus. John 14, 26, as Jesus was 
talking about the Holy Spirit and getting ready to go to the cross and the resurrection and then home to heaven, he said this to the disciples. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here's what I've discovered in my walk with Jesus. The closer that I am to the Holy Spirit, the closer I am to Jesus. The more I'm walking in the Holy Spirit, the less I'm walking in my flesh, and the closer I get to Jesus, my Savior. And so the Holy Spirit is helping me, teaching me, reminding me how to be like Jesus. So I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. He does two things, this verse says. Teaches us all things. How many of you have a couple questions about God? Like the Holy Spirit will teach us that, right? Maybe we wonder, should I get Twitter? Should I not get Twitter? The Holy Spirit says he can teach you all things. Talk to him about whether you should download Twitter on your phone. I got a new phone recently and I just kind of felt like, maybe it was the Holy Spirit, maybe it was me, I don't know. I felt like it was the Holy Spirit say, just don't put Instagram on your phone again. Just don't. So I haven't yet. If he tells me to do it again later, I might. But for now, just doing what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. The second thing that helps us thrive in our faith is to reinforce your relational environments. The relationships that you have with people in this room are super important. The relationships you have with other Christians are vital. Let me show you that in Acts chapter two, verse 46 and 47. By the way, this is the verse that is posted in our commons because we believe it is so important as a church. It says, just right after Peter preached a message and 3,000 people got saved, this is what they started doing the next day. Verse 46 says, every day. Could you say every day? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now I just want to point out that every day they went to church. That's pretty powerful. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts every day, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now you, you may say, Pastor Mark, I'm good with seeing these people just once a week. That's good for me. Like, that's all I can handle. You want me to hang out with them every day? Just saying. That's what God's word says. Every day. Now, here's the two, th two big things that they did to reinforce their relational environments. They went to church and they met in small groups. In homes. Those are the two big things they did. They went to church every day, and then we turned it into every week. But this is what the early church did to make their faith stay way up, is they hung out together all the time. And when they hung out together in their homes, they took communion together, they broke bread, which that's what that represents, 
Breaking bread represents they took communion together every day. They reminded themselves of the death and the resurrection of Jesus every single day with communion. And they praised God and they just encouraged one another. Today, when we meet in small groups, we study the word, we pray, we take communion, we share life together. That's really important. When you want your faith to stay up, you're, you need a relational environment, a Bible study, a group of people that you're, you're living with Jesus. That's super important. The third spiritual habit that can help us when our faith is way up is keep serving. Keep serving. Said Pastor Mark, but I'm not serving anywhere. Catch up. <laughs> Catch up. Romans 12:11 says this: never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How do you keep your zeal in your faith? How, how do you keep spiritual vitality and fervor in your life? Keep serving. If you're not serving somewhere, start. Lots of ways. Just when you go out the door, hang a quick right. We'll help you out. See, serving Jesus is a powerful way to keep our faith up and strong. And there's lots of ways that you can serve Jesus in the church and outside the church. So let the Holy Spirit lead you, help you discover where he's called you to serve and jump in. So these three spiritual habits, let me tell you something about them, okay? These three spiritual habits, pursuing your relationship with Jesus, reinforcing your relational environments, and keeping serving, they're like a three-legged stool. They're like a three-legged stool. What happens if you cut one of those legs off? You're falling down. These three things must be working together all the time in your life. But what should you do when your faith is down? What should you do when your faith is down? Well, let me give you three things to do when your faith is down. When your faith is down, here's the three things you should do. Pursue your relationship with Jesus, reinforce your relational environments, and keep serving. That's it. That's what we do. We'll say, Pastor Mark, there's gotta be a couple more things when you're down that you do. Well, there are, I'll give you just a couple more, okay? Because I've had seasons in my life when my faith struggled. And those are the three things that got me through. Pursuing Jesus, having people around me that were praying for me and caring for me, loving for me, holding me accountable, encouraging me, showing me Bible verses, giving me things to stand on and promises of God's word, those people in my life I needed. And then I just kept serving. So, but, but you're a pastor, right? This is how I serve. So every week while I'm struggling in my faith, what am I doing? I'm opening the word and presenting promises to you. Well, guess what that did for me? It pulled me out. <laughs> it pulled me out of my down because I kept serving and I kept studying and I kept praying and you kept praying for me. And my down became my up. But sometimes you just stay in the down for a while and it's okay. 
Because you recognize that in that down, what? God's right here with me. Pretty soon you're in the down and God's here with you and you realize I'm, I'm not even down anymore. I'm in the down because the struggle's still there, but I don't feel it anymore because I'm walking with God and it just doesn't feel like a struggle anymore because God's with me in jail. And when my brothers hate me and when I got sold into slavery, God's here with me. He's blessing me. He's... He's right here with me. But let me just give you a couple quick things to remember in the down times. Because here's what I've recognized when I get in the down times, and you've probably recognized this too, that in the down times, I recognize more than any other time, I'm in a spiritual battle. And I better wake up ready to fight or I'm gonna lose. And so in the downs, here's some things we gotta remember. Don't listen to lies. Don't listen to lies. Here's what Jesus said about the Pharisees and about Satan in the same verse. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Here's what we recognize from this verse. The enemy of our soul will lie to us, especially in the downtime. But you know what I really don't like about what this verse says? There are people around us that will lie to us. That's what the Pharisees were doing to the entire culture, lying to them about who God was, about what God thought about them, about how God feels, about how God wants us to treat people. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were lying to everyone about who God was and what his character was like. And Jesus comes along and says, stop listening to these people that are lying to you about God. Sometimes we need to hear that too. <laughs> stop listening to people that lie to us. Second, protect yourself spiritually. Because you're in a battle, you're gonna to have to protect yourself. Paul talked to Timothy about this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. He said this to Timothy, keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Now here's what Paul was saying to Timothy. When you get into those times that are down and your faith is struggling, you have to protect yourself spiritually. You have to keep a close watch on how you live because the decisions you make, the enemy's gonna tug at you to want you to be full of more evil and to be tempted and to struggle with even more things. So your struggle that got you down, the enemy wants to add more struggle to you if you don't protect your life so that you really just feel like down in the dumps and I just quit. I quit the whole God thing. And so you have to protect yourself spiritually. The second thing that Paul said to Timothy was, you have to keep a close watch on your teaching. In other words, we all have to keep a close watch on what we believe. What we believe. Because all of us can believe different things. Let me give you an example. If you're in the downs of your faith and you have started to believe a popular American theology 
that is not a biblical theology. It's just an American theology. And here's the theology. I hear lots of pastors talking about it. That when you become a Christian, you should never suffer. That your life in Jesus will always be the most wonderful thing and you'll never have trouble or struggles or trials or tests or hardships or persecution or a, a, an unhealthy body or, or pain. Those will never be a part of your life when you're living in real faith and you're living in the blessing of God, brother. What a crock of crap. You've been reading the same book we're all reading. Did you hear the words of Jesus in John 16, when he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. <coughs> Just in case you forgot, the person we follow died on a cross just in case you forgot and wondered if the doctrine that we believe has trouble in it. Now, did that trouble help you? Does that cross help you? Yes. You bet it does. It saved your life eternally. So can trouble bring good things? Yes, it can. If God's involved. So protect yourself spiritually and let God come in. Here's the next one. I'll, I'll run through them quickly. Surround yourself with godly influences. God's word, God's worship, church, small group, Bible studies, Christian podcasts. Surround yourself with godly influence. Find an accountability partner. When you're in the downs, it really helps to have somebody that will hold you accountable. When you're in the downs and, and remember... The accountability and the don't listen to lies go together. Because <laughs> it's easy for us to listen to a lie, but it's the accountability partner that while we're having coffee says what? Mark, what are you doing? I love you. Stop listening to that lie. Well, I heard it on a, from a pastor on the radio. That pastor's a liar too. Let's go look at the word. <laughs> We, we got to focus on God's word and that person will hold you accountable to the truth of God's word. Every single one of us needs an accountability partner in the downs that is helping us in that moment. Think right, process correctly, pray, all those things. Okay, so find somebody you love. Another one, focus on your foundation. This is one of the things that I think we don't see directly in God's word, but I'm guessing Joseph did a lot. Because here's, here's what Joseph could have done. He could focus on his foundation because here's what he knew. He knew that he had a father that loved him, didn't he? He knew that. So do you. You have a heavenly father that loves you. So focus on that foundation. He knew that God had spoken to him clearly. I mean, he's in jail, but the dreams are still so vivid in his mind that he can't help but think, 
at some point in my life, this is coming true. That was God who spoke to me. That's the foundation of my life. That word that God spoke to me. What has God said to you recently? Have you gotten into your prayer closet list lately enough to hear God clearly say something to you that you can hold on to during your downtime? I hope so. Stand on it. He could also see the blessing of God that was with him in the midst of his trial. You know, sometimes it's hard, but God's blessing you even in the middle of your down. You just gotta notice it. You just gotta look for it. You just gotta see it and then call it out. And in the middle of your downtime say, oh wow, that's cool that God did that for me. That was really awesome. Thank you, God. Another thing when you're in the down, put your armor on every day. Yes. Ephesians 6 says you and I have armor that is designed to thwart off the spiritual forces of darkness in our life. Put your armor on every single day. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And lastly, pray continually. Just keep praying. Keep talking to God. Say, well, all I want to say to God right now is how angry I am. Well, welcome to Job and part of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. and <laughs> The writers in the Bible did it too. You can do it. You think, you, you think God is hurt <laughs> when you tell him the truth? Nope, he's not. Do you think God is offended that you complain to him? Nope, he's not. He loves that you talk to him. He loves that you say, man, I hate where I am. Okay, well, I'm here for you. See, our faith in Jesus is gonna have ups and downs. There's gonna be good days. There's gonna be bad days. You'll have things happen to you and you will see evil things happen in our world and your faith may take a hit. But through all that life throws at us, we know our part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. This is what Joseph did. This is what we're called to do. But let me ask you one question as we leave. Where's your faith right now? Up or down? Where's it at today? Maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe you're in a season. Where's it at right now? Can I encourage you? Wherever your faith is, God is here. He's here. He's with you. You know what Romans 8 tells us? It doesn't even matter where you go or what you try to do. You can't run from the love of God. You can't even do it. You can run to the highest mountain, to the lowest part of the ocean. Wherever you think you could go to hide from God's love, you can't do it. You literally cannot do it. If you're a follower of Jesus and you look behind you, all you will see is the love of God chasing after you all the time, every single day of your life. Would you stand with me?
Would you pray with me? Lord, we recognize that there are gonna be times in our life where our faith is up and our faith is down. And what we wanna say to you is thank you that you're always there. Thank you that you are the faithful God. Thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And thank you, Lord God, that this is who you are. This is the character of God. Lord, we know that you, you wanted our world to be perfect. <laughs> you wanted us to just always choose you and nothing else. But in our humanness, in our sinfulness, we, we often choose other things. And so, Lord, I pray that when we choose other things, that you would continue to be faithful. Lord, when our faith is up, I pray that you would help us to stay consistent in you. And when our faith is down, I pray that we would do the things that we need to do to just let you walk with us and let you carry us at times. And not, not to even despise the down times. Like, the downtime is awful and I should never be there. It should always be up. That, that's not really true either. God says that there's going to be times that we're, we're down for the testing of our faith and to help us discover the deepness and the richness of God Almighty. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we study your word this summer and discover the ups and downs of our faith. Would you be with us? Lord, I especially want to pray for those that may just, just feel like your faith is down. I want to encourage you to, to begin to do the things we talked about today. To do those things that will just allow you to see God is with you. He's right there with you. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is good for us because it reminds us God is right in the fire with us. He didn't rescue them from the fire. He stood in the fire with them. And then the rescue happened. Lord, let us see life like that, that you're right in the fire with us. And we don't get burned. We don't get messed up because you're there with us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As you go, um, they are handing out these at the door, I believe, or you can pick one up at the door or whatever. Uh, this is the study for the entire summer. So you can get it, you can grab it, you can see other things. On here are questions for each week that we would love for you to ask yourself for personal discipleship. And if you want, you can meet with a couple other people and do it in a small group, okay? All right, thanks for being at church this morning. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.